The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lintonello. Good morning, Ooh, Good morning. Yeah, good morning. And uh, so I'm not calling in from the high mountains of the Blue Ridge in Virginia. Man, I am in your neighborhood. <laughs> that is, like, really scary. I'm just across town. Just a stone's throw away from you. Aren't you excited? My little buddy Enzo can't wait to see me either, I'll bet. Oh, yeah. He's been, uh, you know, spinning around all morning by the front door waiting for your arrival. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I bet it's good to be down in Knoxville, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I'm here. I, I, I drove past the uh, 5 million buddies barbecue uh, locations and made my, my way through town. And so, uh, you know, I'm going to be over as soon as the show is over. I'm headed your way. And I'm going to cash in, cashing in, calling in all those five million waffles you've promised me for the last uh, you know, five years. Okay, well, we got a waffle house literally almost around the block from me. So uh, when you get your butt here, we'll go over. <laughs> and then, so and then made- we got it later, well, later on this afternoon, we, you know. If you want, we could go down to McKay's and uh, the used book and music store where I get all my CDs and great automotive books, cheap, cheap, cheap. So, uh, yes. Yeah, you probably you probably went in there. Knowing you, you went in there last night at like an hour before closing and bruised the place, cleaned out all the good stuff, all the good books. CDs too because our musical tastes are similar and uh, you're like yeah Cox he's not getting anything I'm cleaning this place out actually I did that two days ago yeah I did <laughs> <laughs> but there was no good audible book it, it was all the you know cheap coffee table stuff so uh, you just never know when someone brings in something to you know your local used bookstore you gotta keep checking you know periodically you know, you just you just never know, and that's how I found those two books on Russian cars, cheap, cheap, cheap. So uh, yeah, yeah, that was cheap. an interesting find. Yeah. So so if you're good later, we'll go. Yeah, I love McKay's. It's my favorite place in Knoxville to go. I just I love that place. The only problem is I start to feel guilty after I get to the point where I can no longer carry stuff. I've got it stacked up, and I'm dragging it from one part of the store to the other. And uh, they don't have any carts in there that I've seen anyway. No. 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 Last time I was there, I mean, everything in there, folks, is cheap. That's why Rich loves it so much, because it's cheap. And, you know, I I mean, I've spent, I mean, you've got to work hard to spend $100 there. And I spent yeah. like 100, 130 bucks there the last time. About a month ago, I found a great book. It's called Sports Cars in Action. 
from it was published in the 19 late 50s written by John Bond who was the founder of Rodent Tracks and it profiles like each chapter is six pages one specific car one specific sports car he talks about his history and what's it you know like to drive and you know all his driving characteristics and there are cars in here that uh, I just don't have any information on and the book is you know it's, it's a hardcover book it's uh, let's see it's 200 and something like 50 pages three dollars my friend three dollars Mm. Eat your heart out. <laughs> I took that thing off the shelf so fast. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you just never know. Yeah. You know, everybody goes to the Internet. Go to the Internet. Go to Google. Go, you know. If you look at the bookstores, go to state sales, yada, yada, you can find a lot of really cool stuff that's been out of print forever that's never going to be reprinted, but it's filled with great information, great stories, and more than likely it's pretty well researched as opposed to everything out there on on the web. I Every week, it's a pit peeve of mine anymore. Every week I'm reading articles on the web, and I'm thinking, where in the hell did they get that fact? It's absolutely 110% wrong. And then I'll go to the next paragraph, same thing, same thing. By the time I finish reading it, it, the whole article is complete garbage. Yeah, because, you know, these people who are writing this stuff, they're they're now called content writers. And, uh, you know, they just come up with an idea and they send it to the webmaster. And the webmaster goes, yeah, that's a great idea, but they really don't know anything about it because, you know... They were probably watching some stupid TV show or some, you know, one of the auctions. They say, oh, look, these Camaros are going for a half million dollars. I want to write about a Camaros. And they, and they, you know, query the webmaster with their ideas. And it's not like they know anything. They don't have any research information. They get all this stuff from the Internet and Wikipedia, which has a lot of mistakes. So, uh, yeah, that, that's the state of the... Uh, you know, of the writing today. It's, it's just, you got to be careful what you're reading. It's sad. Yeah. It just, you're right, though. They source their information from from the net, and it just compounds the problem, which is really why, and I know everyone's thinking that I set this up, but I did not. I promise. Scout's honor. Crankshaft magazine. You need it, folks, and I mean that with every ounce of my being. It is a great publication, despite the fact that this schmuck is the publisher, okay? It is an awesome magazine. And, you know, you've got great writers in there, Walt Gosden, great historians, automotive historians, Jim Donnelly. I mean, Donnelly's got some great stories. He does great work. And it, oh, would well make, researched it would make a perfect Valentine's gift. A subscription to Crankshaft well, would be the perfect even Valentine's. Even you do a good job. You know, you know here, here's an example of how I drive myself crazy. I'm writing a story on two Pontiacs for the next issue, and one of them is a 58 Bonneville. And everywhere I read, including my Pontiac books, 
the 58 Bonneville had the uh, level air air suspension. And I'm saying to myself, there's no way that this was factory. It had to be, you know, uh, standard rather. It had to be an option. And everybody regurgitated the same information. The 58 Bonneville has, you know, air suspension. I'm going, wait a minute. It took me two and a half hours to find out after I, I dug and I dug. I went through my library. I went through stuff online. And I literature places that have original literature for Pontiac. Finally, I found the words option. It's like yeah. no one else wrote that. It was an option, you know. So those are the lengths that we go to to make sure our facts are correct. Because you don't want to regurgitate the same old information that, that other people wrote. Because you don't know if their information is right. So, uh, yeah, it, it drives us crazy to get the facts right. And every now and then something pops up. We get something wrong. It does happen. But uh, we do our research. No, you do, and and I can empathize with it. I don't do a tremendous amount of writing. I did that one small short article for you, and what a rabbit hole that was for me. I thought, yeah, no big deal. We'll write a short article, because I've done a lot of short articles over the years, but I'll write that article on the 97 Firebird, no big deal. I'll hammer that out right away. Bada-bing, bada-boom, done. No. I started looking up production figures and numbers, and they were all over the place. Yeah. Every, I mean, they were different almost in every article that you that you read. And I had to drill down, uh, talk to some people in POCI, call the AACA library, and finally I managed to duplicate the production numbers multiple times from multiple sources to the extent that I felt like they were they were valid. You know. But it's, yeah, it's crazy. I don't know how it you is, do it. You know, and if, if you look at the standard catalogs, uh, and those are just, you know, they're great resources. However, you've got to watch what you're reading. Because often the case is if you look up a particular model car, they'll say, you know, 85,000 were built in uh, the year of 1958. Well, that's not correct. It's the model year because a lot of cars are beginning to be manufactured in August and July and September of the pre of the prior year that they're labeled. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We always go by the year production, not the annual year. So, uh, yeah, you got to be careful what you're reading out there. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. But uh, So how can people get crankshaft while we're talking about it? I oh, need another waffle. To, uh, this is another waffle for me today, okay? We'll give you extra syrup. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, crank. Just go to our website, crankshaftmagazine.com. And uh, right now, if you order a subscription, we will give you issue number one for free. But you got to ask for it because we have, you know, subscriptions coming in, you know, in a variety of places. We advertise in the AACA. We advertising now in... Cadillac LaSalle Magazine, Studebaker Club, and the Vintage Motor Car Club, Horses Carriage. So you got to tell us, you know, that you'll be getting the, or you want the first issue for free. So, uh, crankshaftmagazine.com. Thanks, folks. And that, the support. That, that first magazine is the Tucker issue, too. Which yes. Got a great, great, yeah. great cover. 
Joe Pep popped it, popped it. He did a great job. Yeah, he's a great illustrator. So, well, we're working on issue number eight right now, and uh, the last few days I've been bogged down writing this story of a 52 Catalina versus a 58 Bonneville. And you know, you know what's amazing is, like, right now out in the world, you have a brand-new car, you know, a 2000, a, a 2024 automobile, and you compare it to something that's 10 years old, it's basically the same car. They have the same technology. They have the same everything. But back then, in the 50s, that Catalina versus the 58 Bonneville, it was only six years apart, but they were worlds apart technology. I mean, you know, you went from a flathead to overhead valve engine. You know, you had upgraded, you know, uh, suspensions and frames and just, yeah, I mean, it's amazing how technology changed so quickly in the post-war era. Like, every year, things were changing quickly, but yet today, you know, everything looks the same for 20 years. <laughs> it's true. They they made some quantum leaps. You, know, you think about the difference between 1935 and 1941, let's say. Right. They don't even look the same. Don't even look like they're from the same planet, those cars. No. They're that far <laughs> removed from each other. Yeah, had to be crazy stuff. Had to be great for the car business, though. You think about it. Today, particularly, say, like for trucks, I drive a a Nissan Titan um, XD pickup for my daily, and you don't know which year it is. People ask me all the time, oh, did you just get that? They have no idea. But back then, (laughs) you know, if you were driving a 1941 Chevy and your neighbor was driving a 1935 Chevy, you knew that guy was driving a six-year-old car, you know? Right. Right. I, I mean, you know, you look at the 58 cars from General Motors, and then you look at the 59, which is like, you know, the wide track Pontiac and all that stuff. I mean, they were worlds apart in just one year. <laughs> just crazy. You know, those are fun times. I remember being a kid around, not around the block from our house, but maybe, you know, about eight blocks away, was a Chevy dealership. It was called Kinney Chevrolet. And come September, man, they would put that brown paper on the windows or they would cover their windows with wax cleaner or whatever it's called, some kind of, you know, wax stuff. So you couldn't look inside the showrooms and you had to wait to the premiere of the new cars when they arrived. It was a big thing. Then they ripped off the newspaper and the brown paper and, Wow, that's a that's a brand new looking car. That's totally different from last year, but now everything looks the same. I mean, you could be on the road now and you don't even know what's around you. Everything looks like a Toyota, a Mazda, a Nissan, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> They're all black, okay. white, and gray. Black, white, gray. Black, white, gray. <laughs> yeah. I like being able to tell what a mile away. <laughs> you know, you're talking. <laughs> We're talking about that dealership. Uh, dear friends of mine who have long since departed us, a uh, friend of mine who had a Nash dealership in Harrisonburg, Virginia Victor Myers and his wife Lillian, I would have dinner with them fairly frequently when I was in that area, just about every, I don't know, several times a month. And she would light up telling me all these great stories. Her favorite time of the year was when the new Nashes were coming out 
in the fall, and she could play hostess. They just went all out. They had a small dealership, but they papered all the windows, and they had the cars hidden in the service department, and she would get refreshments and cook, bake cookies for a week and all this sort of stuff because it was a big deal to unveil the, the new cars when they came in. Big deal. It was like a uh, society happening, you know, <laughs> a cultural thing. It was everybody looked forward to it. And then you would open up your local newspaper and they have full page ads in the newspapers. You know, so and so has the new '59 Buick. <laughs> oh, yeah, fun times. All, all that stuff is gone. It's a shame that the young generation will never that kind of sad in a way and I know we don't normally talk about a lot of uh, current events as it pertains to regulations and things of that nature but you did you read where in California they've introduced legislation to limit your car's speed so that you can't go beyond 10 miles an hour over the posted speed limit anywhere and that technology will automatically start applying your brakes. Unbelievable. They're going to turn the car into something worse than an appliance at some point. Yes. Yeah, government regulation. Leave it to California for doing that. I think it's awful. So, uh, yeah, you know, the only alternative is not to buy a new car. That's That's right. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a I have a 2013 Mini Cooper, and uh, the chance of me, you know, getting rid of that is kind of slim because I don't want all this control stuff telling me, you know, lane changes and you know, big giant screens and the new cars don't even have CD players. Uh, my car was the last of the CD players, 2013, and I love it. So, yeah, you just got to maintain your existing car and you'll be fine. You don't have to, you know, bow down and get something new uh cd players obsolete it's kind of crazy when you think about it i mean obviously you started out with the edison ambrel cylinder records um i I wasn't there when that happened but (laughs) you think about it you know records cassettes eight tracks my first daily driver car that i drove to high school was a 60 pontiac Catalina four-door flat top, and it was a great car. Low mileage, 58,000 miles, bought it from a little old lady, seriously. The uh, detente spring was broken in the uh, transmission. I replaced that. Bada bing, it was back on the road. But anyhow, I really loved my music, loved my stereo systems, and I went out and I bought a quadraphonic eight-track tape player and stereo un- under dash. Was it a Krako? Was it a Krako? No, 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 it wasn't a Krako. Gosh, we gave everybody hell who had a Krako. We were like, ah, what are you doing with a Krako? That's garbage. It was a Craig, I believe. Um, you know, you had to have Craig or, or Pioneer or one of those. What's funny is I was looking at uh, Marketplace not long ago, and I always wanted the Pioneer under, under dash cassette unit back at that time. And so now I 
peruse the ads, and I try to see if I can find one. You know, those stupid things are like three to five hundred dollars now if you can find one, and who's no, who knows if they even work. Wow, I threw like three and a half, like twenty years ago. I said, "Who wanted this crap?" I threw them out. I guess that's why why they're so expensive. But um, but yeah, there was nothing like driving down the road. There were um, not many occasions, but I did skip school here and there. I remember one time I bought a brand new eight track, Bachman Turner Overdrive, and took off for Nags Head, North Carolina. I left and I just cruised and played the heck out of that eight track all the way down, taking care of business. It was so much fun. Yep. Break time. So, so we were talking about music. So, if you had to choose music for a cross country trip, what would you take with you? We'll find out after the break. After the break, okay. it's going to be a secret, after the folks. Break. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Call J.C. Taylor today for a competitive quote on collector car insurance. Give your, 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 your most prized possessions the attention that they deserve. You'll receive agreed value coverage, giving you the peace of mind to know you're always protected. J.C. Taylor has been supporting the hobby with reliable service that has lasted for six decades. Call 888-ANTIQUE or visit jctaylor.com slash awr to get a quote today. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. We're back. So, if you had a cross-country trip, what would you throw in to take with you in the way of music, Richard? Ooh, wow. Uh, well, you know, I would have several CDs on my favorite band, which is a British boogie band called Status Quo. I would have several of those. My Graham Parker, I would have, you know, besides the rock and roll stuff like, you know, uh, Green Day and the Stones and, you know, maybe some Beatles. But I would also have my uh, Louis Prima, uh, Perez Prado. I would have uh, Frank Sinatra. I would have my Vladimir Horowitz, greatest pianist of all time. I got to have some of that music. Uh, maybe Dave Brubeck, you know, Take Five. That is a freaking great album. Uh, then I would have some, uh, you know, 
some country swing music like uh, Asleep at the Wheel and, you know, uh, Dave Edmonds, some of that rockabilly stuff. Uh, I'm kind of all over the place, you know. Uh, so a little bit of everything. Yeah, that'd be fun. And, of course, you know, uh, when you're driving at night, i I got to have, like, uh, a scary monsters from uh, uh, David Bowie, and then I have to have a Wish You Were Here from Pink Floyd, and even some uh, ELO, like uh, El Dorado. So, uh, yeah, I would just have a variety of stuff. You just never know what kind of mood you're in, you know? So, I had made a quick Is list Cliff? before Is that what you while we were on break. <laughs> Do what now? Are you listening to Taylor Swift now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, T- Taylor Swift and my, uh, early Michael Jackson. Early Michael and, Jackson. And do you still have your collection of Bay City Rollers? Oh, uh, S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y, baby. Right. So what would you bring? Well, while we were on break, I, I wrote this down so that, you know, we didn't coordinate this thing. So I'd have some Roger Miller. I'd have the Kinks. Yeah, I'd have Kings, the Beach yeah. Boys. Got to have the Beach Boys yeah. at some point. Yeah. And some ZZ Top. Golden Earring. Dave Edmonds. George Jones. There you go. Steve Miller. Jump. George wow. Jones. Got to have some George Jones. I mean, so Jones was George just amazing. So when you listen to George Jones, did you put on like one of them sequins dinner jackets? Yeah. Quit telling people about that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you, you weren't supposed to be talking about it just because I wore it the last time I came over, you know. But, yeah, I mean, got to have George Jones, American icon. Uh, Steve Miller Band. Frank Sinatra. I agree. Got to have some Frank Sinatra on there. Some early early stones from the 60s. Perhaps some Beatles. Definitely the Ramones. And ELO, I, you know, at night, you're talking about driving at night. ELO, Fire on the Mountain. My favorite song to drive out in the middle of nowhere in pitch black dark driving. Fire on the Mountain. It's a great, great song. Um, but uh, I think that would probably round it out. But you and I have similar tastes. I, I like Horowitz, too. So there's nobody in Louis yeah. Prima. I've got a bunch of Louis Prima, Prima albums. So we're pretty close together on all that. The reality of it is I wouldn't get bored listening to your selection. So. I mean, I get li- yeah, tired yeah. and bored of listening to you, but I wouldn't get tired or bored of listening to your selection of music. Well, Thank there God. you go. I mean, I I could go from, you know, listening to Joe Jackson and Elvis Costello to uh, Tchaikovsky and Mozart. You know, I, I like all of that stuff. And, and every now and then I would put on Pavarotti and listen to some opera, you know, try to get some culture. You know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you need all the culture you can get. I, I do. I need it. I need it. And uh, so when you get here later, we'll, uh, you know, we'll head over to McKay's and we'll buy some uh, new music to listen to. Yeah. We'll talk. We'll, we'll come back and give a report later. 
So I had someone write <laughs> write or uh, email earlier this week, and they had a had an issue they were trying to solve, and it was SAP. Unfortunately, they had parked their car during a show under a tree, and it was at that time of year when you know sap is raining from the from the limbs and the leaves. And they've tried everything to get this off the car easily. It, you know, they went through and started you know to do polishing compound on it. I'm like, no, 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 don't don't do that. And they'd used this bug and tar remover and that bug and tar remover not having a lot of success and it's interesting because a number of years ago same thing happened to me and an old guy at show he's like you know you're going to go buy all this I was complaining about it the guy said don't buy all that crap from the auto parts store it's not going to work or if it does you're going to beat yourself to death trying to get all that off and I'm like well okay what do I use? Just go down to the drugstore, get, get a quart bottle of isopropyl alcohol, and that'll take it off in a jiffy. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, isopropyl alcohol on a rag, and this is going to make it. He was right. Just put it on a, on a soft cloth. Now I'd use a microfiber cloth. And it just miraculously removes sap. So, folks, if you're out there and you're over fighting with sap, isopropyl alcohol, it's a great job. Of course, you know, then you're going to need to go back through and polish and buff to make everything look great. But it'll get it off quick. And it doesn't ruin the paint? No. No. Right. Great job to get it off. I, I was heartbroken. I literally, I parked the car, went to talk to somebody. Got a quick bite to eat, so we're talking maybe about two and a half hours time. Came back to the car, and it looked like somebody had sprayed it with sap. It was hor- it was horrible. So anyway, I was so thrilled when I got home and I used just plain old isopropyl alcohol, wiped the car down, and of course, like I said, went back, buff and polish, wax, and uh, we were back to square one. It was great. So keep that in mind okay good to know yeah yeah you and i were talking about um some restorations lately of course and then you've got all the auction you know the bear jackson auction going on this week which neither you know nor i watch a lot because it's not really indicative or representative of what the values truly are out there in the marketplace to some extent yeah maybe it'll show what's popular, what's not. But in terms of the actual value, I, I don't put a lot of stock in Barrett Jackson personally. But um, but there are a lot of things that people do that affect the value of the car, choices that they're making throughout the restoration process that you're going to have to live with, but that might negatively affect the value of your car or enhance the value of your car. So, what are yeah, your thoughts? That, you know, my thoughts are this. I mean, if if it's a fairly significant automobile, if you want to make some upgrades, fine, but don't do it aesthetic upgrades. 
you know, like shaving the door handles or, you know, putting giant hood scoops on or, or putting on fiberglass fender flares and, because that just, you know, ruins the integrity of the automobile. But, you know, if, if you have a car from the early 60s and you could upgrade it to a dual master cylinder and uh, with front disc brakes, I think that's a plus, especially that you won't really see it, but yet it makes driving the car safer. Uh, radial tires, of course, that, that's an easy switch. A lot of people doing the, you know, electronic ignition upgrades, whether it's, you know, Petronics or uh, the one, two, three ignitions, things like that. I know Mallory has one. Uh, so I hear pros and cons about them. I, I bought an electronic distributor for my Triumph about three years ago. I have yet to install it because every time I go to start the car, it starts right up and I don't have a problem. So I'm thinking, oh, you know, why should I make that upgrade? But then again, that's an upgrade that's hidden. You know, I know a lot of people put aluminum radiators in their cars. Uh, whoa, wait, wait, whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. Aluminum what? Oh, radiators. Uh, ray, radiator. Yeah, radiator. <laughs> okay, go on. So this is the problem I have with aluminum radiators is that, uh, People leave the aluminum shining. So you look at the edge of the and, and you know it's not original. That's a, at least at least painted satin black the way Harrison refinished their radiators. You know what I'm saying? Try to make it blend in. Uh, you know, simple things oh. like yellow, except condition-wise, I can't stand looking at. Uh, but those are easy things to change if you buy a car like that. You know, it's just, you know, easily removed. Uh, other changes I, I don't care if I see a lot of now older sports cars with Mazda Miata seats you know because the seats are small and they fit in you know MGs and Triumphs and they have headrests with speakers in them I don't know I mean are you going to be driving you know your Triumph and MG you know six hours on the road that you're going to need these more comfortable seats you know I I, I don't get it but uh, you know the big thing though is changing the color of the car People have asked us many times when I worked at Hemings, it's like, would that affect the value of my car? And to me, it's like, okay, it's your car. You can do what you want. Uh, if you want to change it to a color that was offered that year by the manu- by your manufacturer, I think it's okay, as long as you also paint the door jams and things like that. So you don't open up the door, you see two different colors. You know what I mean? So, uh, but, you know, to paint it with some, you know, candy apples, green or something and you know you have a 63 viewer collector and you want to paint it some oddball color that's going to affect the value that's going to ruin the car so i guess it depends what that upgrade yeah i i agree now going back to the uh going back to the uh radiator (laughs) you're gonna paint if you're gonna paint your radiator you, you you should be using a heat transfer paint. Don't do like Richard yeah. and go to Ollie's and get a ninety nine cent can of enamel and spray your aluminum radiator. Uh, um, no, it's too thick. That enamel's too thick. It won't it's too, heat too thick. Right. Won't get the transfer of heat. Up. Oh, sounds like we got a break coming. We'll be right back. 
Call J.C. Taylor today for a competitive quote on collector car insurance. Give your most prized possessions the attention that they deserve. You'll receive agreed value coverage, giving you the peace of mind to know you're always protected. J.C. Taylor has been supporting the hobby with reliable service that has lasted for six decades. Call 888-ANTIQUE or visit jctaylor.com slash awr to get a quote today. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. Attention veterans, America's Web Radio has a contest just for you. We are giving away an AR-15 style weapon to a lucky veteran. If you are a veteran or active duty, you can enter for a chance to win by submitting an entry form at americaswebradio.com slash giveaway. That's americaswebradio.com slash giveaway. Please read the official rules for more information. Good luck, and thank you for listening. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. All right, we're back and talking about radiators. So, anyhow, I always use Eastwood Black radiator paint because it really transfers the heat well. It doesn't impair the radiator's ability to um, cool the engine down. So always do that. Don't 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 go to Ollie's like Richard does uh, and buy the 99-cent stuff. Spring for a little bit extra. Get the uh, paint that's made to go on the radiator. So you're right. It's all the details. Details are, are really the, the thing that matters. It, you have a sloppy restoration or a sloppy car, it's going to cost you not only you know, if you decide you want to have the car judged, you want to enter in a local show, you want to enter in a national show, it'll cost you points. But it's also going to cost you money when you go to resell the vehicle. Uh, there's nothing worse than a sloppy car. You know, bad if, if it's been painted and there are bad tape lines where, you know, didn't pay attention when they were putting the tape, you know, when they were taping things off, and the paint is thin in area, certain areas and thick in others. It just, ah, it just makes it look terrible. It's like wearing a thousand dollar suit and having toilet paper stuck to your shoe when you're walking around. It ruins it. It does. It really does. Art is in the details, my friends. Uh, rubber pieces. People do this a lot. They'll spend 
75, 80, 100 plus thousand dollars on a restoration. And they'll neglect little items because I guess they figure people have and they're going to notice it. Vent window rubbers, things of that nature. How many times have I looked at a car that was impeccably restored and the rubber is cracking and faded and, and just looks like hell? Right. Awful. You're going to spend that kind of money. Right. And today, if you're going to have somebody do a paint job for you, yes, it's going to be thousands of dollars. You could go to uh, Mako. And even when they have their specials, where they're just going to shoot your car in one of five different paint colors, probably, it's going to cost you 500 bucks. But to have a professional job done, it's going to cost you thousands of dollars. So, so I mean, that's just the starting point on that sort of thing. Now, grant you, I know people that have done their own paint work and done a great job, and you're going to do yours I'm coming down and watching, as I've seen said many times before. Uh, I saw someone just recently, and I know I'm going down a rabbit hole here, but recently I I ran into a guy, and I I had not seen the car he had. He had a 65 Chevelle, and I asked him, I said, who painted the car? He goes, I painted it. I said, really? I said, it looks really good. I said, what did you use? It's black. Duplicolor has a pre-mixed lacquer paint that you can buy by the court. It's called Duplicolor Paint Shop is what he told me. That's what he used to paint his car. I mean, he put several coats on and he had to, you know, uh, buff in between coats and all that jazz. But it turned out really, really nice. I asked him about it. He said it's pre-mixed. Um, he had like $300 in the paint job and did it himself. I was blown away. Good. But you, yeah, and he taped well. He did. He spent a lot of time on the prep work, and that's really what you've got to do. Prep work. It's you know, it's tough enough to lay down a good coat of paint, but the, without good prep work, you, you can really lay down a fine coat of paint, and your car still going to look like hell. Yeah, you know, talk about you know, changes that would affect the value. The biggest thing that really bothers me is all this LS1 engine swaps. Oh, God. I've seen, you know, there was a, I think it was a Studebaker, uh, Starlight Coupe, LS1 engine. And then you see, you know, a 66 GTO LS1 engine. It's like, you know, the whole purpose of buying and enjoying an old car is to enjoy their characteristics and how it was originally designed. You know, if you want a car that will corner like a Formula One car, then go buy something new. You know, don't don't tear it apart. But, you know, that's the nature of the, you know, the hot riding industry. That's what they do. And, you know, it, it doesn't offend me too much because, you know, I like modified cars too. But this trend of LS1 engines, putting them in Taking out the old stuff. I mean, and let's face it. You know, yeah, you have a car with a you know with an old technology flathead engine or stuff like that. How often do you drive the car anyway? Most old cars aren't driven more than five hundred miles in an entire year, if if that. So, I don't know. That's just a personal 
beef with me. Ellis won everything today, and it drives me crazy. No, that's probably my biggest pet peeve. Biggest pet peeve of all. You know, I, I read an ad for a car, particularly, let's just say, a 63 Cadillac. Came with a really great 390 engine that had been in development for, for years. Had gone through a lot of different changes. And by the time 63 came, the 390 was a really, really good engine. Very dependable, but tens of thousand, you know, well over a hundred thousand miles. You could even with the tolerances back then, you could get well over a hundred thousand miles on a on a Caddy three ninety by changing the oil regularly. And there you've got this beautiful car, and it's got an LS one under the hood. Well, I did that because of the reliability. Well, chances are the LS one it's got. Hmm. Everything is electronic on it, fuel injected, etc., etc. When that thing goes south, when something in the electronics decides to go south on you, you're on the side of the road. There's no coming back from it until you get towed in and have the diagnostics run on it and affect the repairs. Me, I'm going to stay stock all the way. I, ha- I have a 63 Cadillac with a 390 in it. I'm perfectly happy with it. And just like I've said, I don't know, way back when on the show, I use what I call a milk crate. I take the milk crate. I've got a... If I'm going to do a long road trip, and when I say long road trip, a 1,000 miles or more, I'm going to put a... I put a spare generator in. I put a spare starter in. I toss in a spare water pump even, belts, points, condenser, on and on. But generally speaking, everything that I need, that voltage regulator, that might go wrong on that trip, apart from a catastrophic failure, it'll fit in a milk crate, and I put it in the trunk. And I take right. off. But if I had, even if I had Pertronics, and I don't change to Pertronics. Now, the one thing I will say is consistency of spark, et cetera, et cetera, and overall performance of the engine is probably better overall than your conventional point ignition system. But in terms of overall reliability, being able to get yourself back on the road if you have an issue, if your Pertronics go south, and you don't have the stuff with you to change it back over, again, you're on a rollback headed somewhere. Me, I like my setup to be such that I can fix whatever I have happen on the side of the road. Unless I throw a rod or the front pump goes in the transmission or a clutch comes apart, I'm going to make my way back home. The rest of these guys are not going to. Just something to think about. Yep, so true. You know, I admire, and I'm sure you do too, the craftsmanship that and the workmanship that goes into creating some of these. You know, LS1 powered, uh, you know, touring cars, muscle cars, what have you. But it just, I don't know. It just strips away the character of the car itself. For what unimaginable. Yeah. So. It is. so like Ford Broncos. Broncos very popular today. Uh, you know, every time you read that, 71 Ford Bronco, Coyote Motor. It's the 
the new new thing, Coyote Motor. So, you know, LS1s, Coyotes, it's, to me, unimaginative. Unless you're building some sort of full-blown race car or something like that. Again, folks, it's your car. You do what you want to with it. We're cool with it, but you might give it some thought. A couple of other things that really changing up rims, tires, cars that didn't come with wide white wall tires on them don't look good with wide white wall tires. I know that you and I differ on the the thinner white wall tires that came option on so many cars in the 60s. You'd rather have black walls. I'd rather have the the thin uh, white wall that you could get. But, you know, there are people, they like to put wide white walls on everything. And I don't know. It just really destroys the look of the car. If you're going to go sell a car, you want it to look crisp. You want it to look detailed. You want it to look nice. And if you're really going to spend the money... Uh, the ones that are done back to stock configuration, for the most part, not always, unless you have some sort of spectacular build that's done by some well-known builder, uh, going back stock with all the details covered, they hold their value the most. Yes. Especially the first year offering of any car, for some reason, you know, it's... I guess because it's, it's in its purest form of what the stylists and engineers intended. So the first year of any model is probably, you know, the most valuable. Uh, but like you said, the more authentic it is, the better it is. That's how I look at it. And the more desirable. Right. And I agree with you, too. I, I have no problem with paint paint color changes as long as you're changing that paint color to match something that was available in that year from the manufacturer. You know, I'm not going to be a stickler about it unless we're out on the judging field. You know, if you really, really love a particular shade of burgundy and a fine metallic, go ahead, it's your car. Do what you want to do with it that makes you feel good. But bear in mind that there's going to be a cost to pay. Yeah. Uh, you know, another good upgrade, which is a very good upgrade, is that Optima batteries. You know, they last a really long time. They're very powerful. But, you know, try to hide it in such a way where it's just, you know, that big giant red or yellow box sitting in your engine bay. And sometimes you can't hide it, you know. But, again, that's an upgrade that is easily removed. You know, with a wrench in like two minutes. So that really doesn't offend me too much. Yeah, I don't worry about that either. Now, the, you talk about the Optimus. A lot of people have complained to me over the years that they bought an Optima. Well, you hear one of two stories. Either the guy that's got an Optima and it's lasted five, six, seven, eight years. Or you talk to somebody that has an Optima and it only lasted a couple of years and it was shot and they're really unhappy and bitter about the whole thing. But the key to keeping the Optima alive and extending its lifespan is keeping it charged. And we're just, I'm just throwing that in there uh, today because uh, I felt like it. But you, know, you keep it charged, keep it on a trickle charger. problem with Optimas is if they go 
flat, a lot of times they won't take a charge again. Now, there are methods that you can go uh, through, apply that uh, fool the battery, so to speak, and will occasionally allow you to get the charge back on the battery after you've let it go flat and it doesn't want to take a charge. So there are ways around it. You just need to go on the web um, and YouTube and, and check them out. But by and large, if you keep them up to par with a trickle charger, just make sure that you're not overcharging it. They'll last for years. And actually, you know, even the lead acid batteries, if you, if you keep them charged, the main thing that kills a battery is the discharge and recharge cycle. That's what kills the battery. That's what causes all the sulfation. So, do you have a what, little side what car? About, what do you think about you seeing some of these cars now? I was at a show this past summer, and it was a really, really nice-looking uh like a 65 Rambler, you know, little little two-door hot top. But it had these LED headlights, these headlamps that it was like, you know, the circular design in them and stuff, and it just looked way too modern for that mid-60s car. And I know that's a change that, and that is easily to undo, but the car looked so funny with those headlights. Yeah. Have you seen them? Yeah, I don't. I don't care for them. Um, now, the one thing I, I do feel good about, and it's a beef that I have with AACA, and everybody knows I've been affiliated with AACA all of my adult life. Uh, I have a big beef with them right now, uh, and that's the fact that um, they still take off for LED bulbs. There are so many times. Now, the ones that you're talking about, they stand out like a sore thumb. But there are right. a lot of reproduction um, headlamps out there now that are LED. You can't tell it unless you get down on your hands and knees and whip out a magnifying glass to look at the bulb because you'll you'll see the that the bulb is different. It's not that silver halide. Uh, coil that was, you know, on the earlier uh, headlamps. But, you know, Wagner and those other manufacturers, they're, they're phasing that stuff out. So at some point in time, you know, you probably won't be able to get the original type bulbs. But it's a huge upgrade. You know, whether you're running a 6-volt converted, you know, more modern headlamp, but done in such a fashion that it almost identically resembles the original equipment. And AACA will even take off for LED taillights if the people are able to see that they've changed those tail lamps out from just a, a standard uh, filament bulb to an LED. And I, I don't agree with that. You know, you think about cars like a, I don't know, a 49 or 50 Chevy. You know how tiny those taillights are on that car? They're hard to see. Yeah. I can't imagine even being, you know, if it's foggy, you're not going to see them at all when they come on those brake lights. But if you put LEDs in there, it, they pop. It makes a big difference. It's a safety issue, as far as I'm concerned. It is. But, you know, it's pretty sad when you have to use a, uh, you know, uh, magnifying glass to see if something's correct or not. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. I 
That's great. I really, I absolutely intend to continue pursuing this at some point so that we finally accept, you know, as long as they're configured and they appear as factory without all that close inspection, I think it should be accepted. Nobody's going to know. You know, if you've got to pick that thin, then we don't need to, particularly if it's a safety item. We don't deduct for safety belts because it's a safety thing. Yeah. But anyway, that's for another day. You and I can work on that. <laughs> now that now that you're warming my former seat on the ACA Board of Directors. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think about uh, some of these uh, Bluetooth radios that you see in old cars? I mean, you know, there are some radios that have been converted and you can't tell. And I think that's pretty cool. You have new technology, but it has, you know, the old aesthetics. But, uh, oh, sometimes yeah. you look at an old car and you see this, you know, modern radio stereo system. And I, I just think it's very distracting. Okay, I agree. Away from the beauty of it. Yeah. <laughs> It looks looks like crap, and you know maybe we'll have our friend uh, Rick Seaman from Rick's Radios on at some point in time to talk to everybody about how to do that without making your car look crappy. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm heading to your house. I'm hungry. We'll see you next week, see folks. <laughs> Take Bye, care. Folks. Bye. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.